tuning in to Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We're on episode 122. I am Josh Roop. With me, my co-captain, as always, Scott Larson. And Scott, it is a wonderful day in pinball. There's been new games released. Things are looking epic, as always. Elton John is wowing. That topper flashing onto the ceiling is amazing. Uh, the gameplay is great. It's a, it's a Richie. It's fast. It's flowy. Who are you, you going to buy it from if you get one? Well, I would reach out to Zach and Nicole Minnie at Flipping Out Pinball. Uh, they have all sorts of your pinball needs, including some some deals right now. So if you're looking to pick up something for Christmas, now's the time to reach out. Definitely. Scott, we got someone special with us today. We do. Who- we actually have someone who's been in the pinball industry for a long time. And then he decided, you know what? I'm just going to uh, pinball's easy, apparently. So I'm just going to build my own pinball company. So we have the guy who resurrected pinball from the doldrums of the 2000s, we have Jersey Jack Pinball with us, Jack Gornary. How you doing, Jack? Hey, guys. Good. Hey, Josh and Scott. Really good to be with you guys. Definitely. It's great to see you again. It was it's different to see you now because you don't have your Elton John costume on from when you guys I revealed can, at I Expo. I can go get it. It's in the closet in the other room. <laughs> you know what? John's, uh, or, uh, sorry, Josh's Elton John's costume is also in his closet for some reason. <laughs> But it's not the Dodgers one. It's it's yeah. more the flamboyant with the the peacock factor with the, with the feathers. feathers. Yeah. Yep. Feathers. Yep. Yeah. That one's yeah. pretty cool too. I was <laughs> I was actually going to buy a pair of those feathers and give them to Steve Ritchie to wear at Expo. I would love to <laughs> and, see um, him do that. I don't know. I I must have gotten distracted because I had it in my basket on Amazon, and I never checked out. You know, but uh, I think Steve would have put them on. You know, he's always wears black. Mm-hmm. Would have had these white feathers on. It would have been pretty cool. Maybe I'll do that to him at another show that we do together. Yeah, you'll you'll have to ask uh, uh, Steve about the time he came out to Rocky Mountain Pinball Show and he uh, he forgot his deodorant. So we <laughs> we actually took him on a deodorant sharpie and booze run. What <laughs> a bottle of rum, a bottle of uh, deodorant, uh, yeah. uh, a stick of deodorant, and then some sharpies to sign things. <laughs> oh that's funny yeah so, something else so jack i gotta know where did elton john come from like what made you guys decide at jersey jack pinball to do elton john well we wanted to do another music game and um we didn't really have a lot of different things in mind uh, we bounced around a few different artists and i looked into music for different artists and cost of things and I was at a concert, uh, an Alan John concert with my wife in like January, February 2019 before COVID. And listening to Elton John, you know, I've been to a bunch of his concerts. Listening to him just brought me into the zone. And I saw on the screen a video of him and he had these glasses on like he always has different glasses and the reflection of the keyboard was in the glasses. And, it, and I took pictures of it, and it was just such like, I just sat there and I said, you know, this could be a great pinball machine if it's done the right way. Um, I'm a big fan of Captain Fantastic from 1976. I remember opening a box with a brand new one. I remember what that game did. And I said, you know, here's somebody that's had a career all these years. So many young people were in the audience. Um, there was... It was everybody in the audience, younger people, older people, um, people from all walks of life are Elton John fans. So I said, if I could get this license, I think we could make a great game. And I I think we did. I really do. I think Steve and the, and the team really nailed it. I think you did as well. It, it plays really well. And the game, I feel like, encapsulates Elton John. It, it shows off the side of him. Um, well, we got an email from David Furnish, his husband. Uh, when they finally saw, you know, the cut of the promo video and he said, you guys really nailed it. You, you got Elton's DNA. You, you really know what you did and we really appreciate what you did. And I can't wait till they get the games because yeah. then they're going to really go crazy because they were, they were part of it all along the way, all the approvals. Advice on using different images, different pictures, different colors. Um, they were part of it. And to have him do custom speech, um, 
for me to stand there next to the game, as long as I'm in the industry and have a game in my basement and um, hear Elton John do speech calls on a game that says Jersey Jack, it was just surrealistic for me. It just blew me away while I was playing Pinball Wizard. At the same time, it was just... <sighs> I could have never dreamed that. I could have never dreamed that. Now, this is a a philosophical change, I would say. Most of the time when you think of uh, rock, rock and pinball, you're usually thinking of the things that you see at like a stadium or a, like a you know, a football game or something where it has lots of guitar, lots of uh, right. you know, loud, that type of stuff, uh, in which basically Guns N' Roses, right? Right. So were you concerned at all that Elton John, he has an amazing catalog. However, at least half of his songs are ballads. And when I look at all the songs that you guys selected to put on, I would say half of them are high tempo and half of them are more of your typical ballads. Were you concerned that taking a risk on that? Um, you know, getting up in the morning, getting out of bed is a risk. Certainly starting Jersey Jack Pinball was a risk. So I think I'm, I'm at this point kind of risk averse. Uh, I don't really pay attention to a lot of the risks. Um, when I licensed Wizard of Oz, everybody in the universe told me it was a terrible theme. I'd never sell any. Nobody would want to buy it. It's not going to make a good game. So, you know, I think... The team of people that we have, they could take a white piece of paper and make a great game out of it. Um, you know, we've all played really great games that have terrible themes, and we've played really terrible games that have great themes. And it's hard to put both of them together. You know, I had I had people that on the rumor of Elton John, let's go back a couple of months ago, I've had people... There were, you know, 20, 25 year customers of mine and friends of mine basically, um, excuse me, text me and say, you know, if it's Elton John, my money is safe. I don't have to buy the game. It's not a theme I want. I like Elton John, but I can't see it. Those people were at Expo and I stood next to them and they bought the game and they mm. said, you know what? If this game was my little pony, I would buy it. This is just an amazing game. Yeah just an amazing game and it is it blew everybody away and when the games get out there in the next few weeks that we're building um it'll just the momentum will keep going on this game it's just beginning so one thing i'm looking at is you guys made a, a conscious decision to change the the base tier from the limited edition to a, and call it the platinum edition right and i don't really see much of like a number to it is that just a conscious decision going forward? Like what, what made you decide to go with platinum versus the LE name? And, and are these just kind of open-ended on the number? Well, you know, everything's limited, right? I used to say everything's limited except aggravation. So uh, <laughs> I think that's probably still true. Although we get very limited amount of aggravation, thankfully these days um, with the platinum, you know, we, we, we put more into it. So I didn't feel that the limited, le moniker belonged on the game platinum is also related to music and when the colors we picked were a platinum type of color for the body armor it made sense to call it a platinum edition uh you know because you have a topper you have the rad cows um with the sparkle and some added extras in the game uh to sweeten it up a little bit and the art package um you know, we had three artists uh, do the two games. So we did Franchi did the PE, and Yaosi and and JP did the uh, CE. And I tell you, I I still can't decide today which one I like better. I like both of them. It's it's difficult choice which which art package I like better. Which is which is a good which is a good problem to have. Yes. Yeah. I. I definitely, um, I actually, I still have my Wizard of Oz 75 and I wish that I had the rad decals to put on them because I love the look of the rad decals. And so I am, uh, I'm jealous that the, the new ones come with those because it is visually very, um, they stand out. Yeah. I mean, it's stunning. I mean, when, when I did the direct print cabinets on the Emerald City limited edition games, um, they were great until you walked up to it and you leaned over into the game with like a belt buckle and you scratched up the game and you couldn't fix it at all. 
Mm-hmm. And I kind of decided that, you know, we'll make these radcals, which would kind of mirror or emulate what we did on the direct print cabinets. They would be easy to replace if they got damaged and that kind of thing. They'd be easy to install. You could put them on right over regular decals and things like that. So it's really a great, it's really a great item. We love them. Well, well, let me know if you have a, a spare copy of uh, Wizard of Oz 75 and I'll uh, buy them from you. Okay, I'll look into that. <laughs> I was going to say, this this artwork is amazing too. It very much encapsulates what Elton John is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you decide to go with with three artists instead of just... Because it wasn't Franchi the only one on, on Godfather? Um, yeah, he was. Um, you know, I like to change things up. And having more people involved, some people would say it's more confusing, but I think it it organizes people better. And when you have people competing against each other, whether it's uh, subliminal or intentional, uh, they work better. Um, They they put in a better product. I think John Yassi is just a consummate professional, all the years, all the games and all the things that he's done. And Chris is just... um, Chris just eats things up. I mean, he just mm-hmm. loves to work. He loves to create. He loves to uh, have, uh, he has a certain flair, a different style than John and JP. And that's what I wanted. I, I didn't want the two games to look like each other. I wanted them to look different. And that's what we got. Um, obviously, uh, there's going to be a question about Richie coming over. And I know it was pretty much, he was gone from Stern. Like a week later, he was with you guys. Mm-hmm. And we actually picked up a rumor beforehand that he was, he was jumping ship. And I'm like, I, wow, that, that would be a shocker. Um, but it ended up being true. So the, so when was this kind of a pitch to bring Steve over to say, Hey, we have this license. We want you to work on it. Or, or what did he, did he come over and you said, okay, here's what we have. Well, what can we match you up with? So, um, you know, Steve and I being friends for many years, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about him coming to work at Jersey Jack Pinball from the days before I started the company. And um, we just couldn't, we were on the same channel, but we weren't on the same frequency. The fine tuning wasn't adjusted. And um, things just didn't line up. With um, him coming in on August 2nd of, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, it, it really was not about what he was going to make other than he was going to make a great game. I don't think it mattered to him at the time what the license was, uh, what it was going to be. He wanted to come to an environment which was nurturing, where a lot of people cooperate with each other and communicate with each other, where when I told him, Steve, you can do what you want to do and nobody's going to bother you. Nobody's going to be ripping stuff out of your game. Nobody's going to tell you, that you got to finish the game next week. I don't really care if this is done or that's done or the other thing is done. Um, and we stay true to that, to that form. You know, he, he usually makes a game in about 18 months. Mm-hmm. Took him a little bit longer. We had a lot of assets dedicated to uh, uh, Toy Story um, to finish that up. And, uh, you know, while we have a lot of people in the company, um, you know, there's a limit to what you have in ability and, and bandwidth of people, you know, even Apple, even Apple is limited to what they can do. You know, every company is, uh, for how many things you're doing. So, um, you know, when we handed Steve, uh, Elton John at first, you know, he's looking for some, uh, you know, high power car or jet fighter or some kind of rocket ship or some kind of wacky um title like that and i didn't have that for him next up was elton john and you know he said really and we said yeah and he says okay i'll get into it and he did um i think he i think he liked it a lot at the beginning and at the end of the whole thing where we are now i think he just he just loves it you know he had a you know i've said this many times before too you know i don't think you could have a vegan in the kitchen of a steakhouse uh, making steaks. I don't think the steaks will come out right. So you have to have the people that are on the team doing something that they really love to do. And it comes out a lot better, just like, uh, Elton John came out. Well, and speaking of Richie, 
you know, this game shoots so much faster and the flippers just feel very snappy. Was that something he brought to the table as well? Because like I said, it feels the flippers do feel a lot more. They're a lot stronger than than the previous iterations of your games. He did. And in fairness to earlier games, all you need to do is go in and punch up the flippers, uh, go to a high setting and they are a lot snappier. Um, some people, you know, uh, some people like really uh, strong flippers. Some people like medium. Nobody wants weak flippers, right? Uh, yeah. We do have the option of backwards or weak flippers on Wizard of Oz and in some of the modes, which is kind of funny, or reverse flippers. But Steve, um, Steve makes fast games. Let's face it; he's the king of flow, and he's um, he's not the king of pinball for nothing. He made a lot, a lot of really great games. Uh, he made a lot of great games that on location when I was an operator, when I was operating Black Knight, and when I was operating Flash, when I was operating. Um, all those games, uh, Tomcat, you know, Star Trek Next Generation, so many of his games, um, they just really play really nice. You're not hitting rubber where you're not scoring anything. It's not a clunk fest. It's not like chopping wood. It's, it's just great. And there's so many things that Elton John does. Um, every time I would play it, it just surprises me by all the shots I can make, especially with the upper right flipper. I can't believe it. So with with the flippers at the show, is that like turned up as high as they could go or is that just kind of the new standard oh, no. of where the- No, that's that's uh factory setting. Perfect. Okay. You could go you could go higher than that. You know, it's funny, there's a little warning that comes up when we have the audio equalizer or you change coil strength. We put a little warning there that says, um, uh, be careful because maybe you can blow something out or, you know, break something or whatever. I don't remember the warning because I don't pay attention to warnings. I just go right over it. And I said, I don't really care. <laughs> and, um, you know, people just adjust them and they're happy. They're happy with all the different adjustments we have in the game. When you deal with a license, a lot of times you're dictated by what is available and what they're willing to offer. You have 16 songs in this, which is a lot. Uh, how, uh, how did you guys select which songs you wanted to put in? Um, first go around, I asked my wife what songs should go in the game. Because uh, <laughs> she's kind of an Elton John super fan. And she knows pinball. And we didn't pick, you know, some of the slow ballads that everybody loved. But she did pick a song like Leave On, which I probably wouldn't have put in there. But she explained why it needed to be in there. And I agreed with it. And then we went to uh, Elton John's people, and they had suggestions, and all their suggestions matched everything we had. Mm. So it was kind of amazing right off the bat that they felt that we had the right mix of songs. And our design team uh, felt we had the right mix of songs. And, you know, getting Pinball Wizard was really important to me. You can't have a pinball machine with Elton John without a pinball wizard, and we had to get permission from Pete Townsend to do, to have that in the game. So that was pretty cool. It sounds like that Elton John's team was very cooperative with working on it. Is that fair to say? Um, it's probably an understatement. Okay. They were, they were spectacular. They really were. Um, once we, you know, in the beginning, you really don't need them because Steve's drawing lines and circles and you're fleshing out mechanisms and you're doing stuff like that. But after you get into it for about five, six months, then you need to have weekly meetings with their people and you're showing them creative. You're showing them ideas for artwork, ideas for the play field, ideas for the rules, ideas for graphics, motion graphics, ideas, um, you know, we're asking them, can we get concert footage? Can we get the cartoons that play in the background? Can we get, um, you know, me, I'm just... <laughs> I'm kind of relentless in a way when I'm looking for assets for games because I just feel the more I give the team, the better game they're going to make. And I think we've proven that a number of times. So um, I want to get the team more stuff than they even need. Uh, I, I want to get them things they didn't even know existed, which we did, like with the cartoons, which were never used in a commercial product other than to run behind the screen when Elton John's singing at a concert. Um we licensed the footage from the movie Tommy, where Elton John is um, 
singing Pinball Wizard, and we had a license things that were in the background. We, we even licensed the Gottlieb pinball machines that are shown in the clip. So it's license on top of license on top of license. There's probably about, there's probably about 12 or 14 licenses in this game that I negotiated and, and secured. So, um, you know, our, our songs or music in the game, it's always full, full use. It's worldwide full use, full length. It's not 15 or 30 seconds because if I'm playing a song while I'm playing the game and it loops around, I want to just bang my head against the wall. I don't want to hear it anymore. So I want to hear the full length of the song. So that's really important when we do licenses too. So is Elton John a pinball fan? Cause he's been in, uh, he's, he's been in the who's Tommy and stuff like that. I just, I was curious to, with all this history and background in pinball, I didn't know if he, he has games himself. Um, from what I understand, he's, he has games. I would love to inspect them personally and find out, but I don't know if I will get that opportunity. <laughs> but um, I know back in the day, uh, he actually bought a whole bunch of games when Captain Fantastic came out. He gave one to his mom, and he gave a bunch of them to friends of his. And certainly... He's aware of the game. Obviously, he's aware of what the game is. Uh, he did the speech calls. We wrote a bunch of speech calls for him. He did all of them. And um, like I said, I, you know, he's he's shared a lot of our um, videos and all our links on his Instagram and social media, Facebook, uh, whatever he has on social media, which have been great. And I just, I just would love to be a fly on the wall when they get the pinball machines um, and see the reaction because I think they're going to flip. Maybe you may, need maybe to make you can set them up. Too. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you can go over there and set them up for them. Yeah. We'll see. Probably when I go, he'll be on vacation somewhere in a warm tropical climate. Hmm. <laughs> so this, uh, this game, you actually dropped the price a little bit. And I would say this is kind of the, the challenge that I would say with, with a lot of Jersey Jack games is that they t tend to be higher priced than the other games. Why is that? And what can someone who's buying it and paying the extra money, what can they expect from that? Well, you know, this is a, this is a lot to unpack. So I'll try to unpack it a little bit at a time. Um, and I'll go to, I'll go to the videotape as it were, I'll go to history. So, at pinballsales.com, when I was selling uh, games 20 years ago, I was selling games for like $35.95. And they were a lot of money. And people mm -hmm. said, how come they're almost four grand? I, you know, I could buy a pinball machine for two grand mm -hmm. and plays, it plays, and I could have fun. And I would sell used games. And I would say, yeah, you could. You know, we were selling Twilight Zones for 1800 bucks at the time. You know, so go figure. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit. We started the company in 11, 2011. Wizard of Oz, uh, you know, the early buyers were paying $6,500. Then it went up to seven. Then it went up to 7500 Fast forward a little bit more. When you bought your Ruby Red 75th anniversary game, they were probably 9000 or $9,500. Mm -hmm. That's and right. People wanted to kill me because how dare I have a game that's nine thousand or ninety five hundred dollars? You just bought a similar game a few years before for as little as sixty five hundred dollars. So how could it be up three thousand dollars? And you know the answer is everything goes up. You know, and the problem is not much comes down. Uh, it's supply and demand, true, but it's also the economy. And it's also the cost of carrying the product and developing the product. So, you know, I would get questions at pinball shows, let's say, I don't know, let's say five, six, seven years ago. And they would say, how come you can't build a game for $6,000? And my answer would be kind of idiotic. Uh, I would say, well, what you're really asking me is you want my game that's $9,000 to be sold at $6,000. Mm -hmm. I said, I'd love to buy a Lamborghini for 20 grand, but it's just not going to happen. You know, there's a reason we have, we have experienced customers, not experienced. 
they are experienced too, but mm-hmm. experienced customers. They're buying our games for an experience. And it costs a lot more money to develop what we're doing than if we developed a different kind of product altogether. Uh, there would be less development time, less cost for assets, less cost for licensing and royalties, um, less people working on it. You know, when I added that huge video screen to the first game, I knew that we were we were going to have to program like three games worth of stuff into one game mm-hmm. because just the choreography of all the lights, all the all the coordination and choreography of all the sounds and speech calls. Uh, all of the video animation, all the creation of the user interface and everything that went with that, all the movie clips that you have to pay for, all the rights to actors, all of those things add up. And that's where it comes to. And today, unfortunately, we're, we're where we are. Now, I think the good thing is that when I sold games to customers 20 years ago and I sold them a Fishtails for 2500 bucks or a Whitewater for 2500 bucks. Maybe it's not a maybe Whitewater and Fishtails are not ten thousand dollar games anymore like they were a year or two ago. Maybe they're seven thousand dollar games, sixty five hundred or eight thousand dollar games. They're not twenty five hundred dollar games though. So the customer base that's existed in pinball, they have a big bank, um, and that bank is the value of their games that they bought years ago. You know, when we bought games years ago, as an operator, I bought a game for you know, two grand. And I threw it away after a few years. I didn't expect to resell it to somebody and make money on it. It was a workhorse. That's what it was designed to be. It was designed to make money for me on location. And then when it didn't have a life, you traded it back to your distributor and he tried to get rid of it to somebody. And that was the end of it. It wasn't a money-making proposition and it wasn't an investment scheme. It wasn't like I'm going to buy pinball machines and one day I'm going to retire off of them because I could sell them each for 20 grand. I think a lot of us got spoiled. You know, I think a lot of us, what happened um, when things were go, 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 and there was not much supply and there was a lot of demand, people were buying two games instead of one game. You know, Mm -hmm. they were buying one to play and one to flip like uh, a few months or a few years later. I mean, I I have customers. (laughs) I have customers that still have CE Pirates of the Caribbean in a box. Really? Customers that have. Wow brand new Emerald city limited edition games in a box. Yeah. You know, I I've, I've seen them. I've been next to the box. Um, you know, so it's not just that they tell me this, there are all kinds of customers and all kinds of people, I guess the roundabout professorial answer is, you know, that we, we buy these things because we love them and we buy them because probably life is too short. And I don't want somebody telling me what I'm supposed to buy or what I'm supposed to eat or what movie I'm supposed to see or what restaurant I'm supposed to go to. I'm adult enough to figure out what I want to do with my money because I work really hard. And if I want to buy a pinball machine, I'm going to buy a pinball machine. If I want to buy 10 pinball machines, I'm going to buy 10 pinball machines. I have friends that are car collectors. I got, I got one friend. He's got 60 cars. He's also got about 70 pinball machines. Wow. What he likes to do. It's what he sure. likes to do. I, I, you know, I collect, I collect writing instruments. Okay. Mont Blanc pens. It's a weakness. You know, I have all different kinds of pens. Some of them are worth hundreds of dollars. Some of them are worth thousands of dollars, you know, but you know what, if I take the pen apart and I look inside the pen, my wife would say, you write with a $5 cartridge. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? I like it. It's what I like. So don't tell me that I can't buy a pinball machine or what it's going to cost. You know, everything today yeah. costs more money. Right. You can go to the store and buy a little box of oatmeal and it's $6. A couple of years ago it was $2. You know, what What, what changed? I, I don't know. The world changed, I guess, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We put a lot into our games. I mean, I don't want to be biased, but nobody builds a game like Jersey Jack Pinball. Nobody. Uh, you know, the, the level and the degree of detail, uh, the effort, the energy, the time, the passion. I know everybody else in the industry that makes pinball machines, they're doing the best they can do and they have a lot of passion 
and we're doing the best that we can do and we have a lot of passion and we believe our product is is what it is and it, it commands that price because that's what we what we need to make to make the company be profitable and survive to make more games mm-hmm. i i've always been on record as saying that the most immersive pinball machine that i've ever played is guns and roses because it feels like you are at the concert yeah and and that's different than playing you know the okay we have a lot of great band stuff band games and it feels like i'm playing a pinball machine with the band soundtrack which is different when you go when you play a guns and roses machine it feels like you are interactive it's almost like a it's 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 like one of those video games that you log in on and you're part of the experience right well again you know because i'm friends with slash all those years and he wanted to do the game he had to convince me to do the game uh, we got all the assets that we needed and more. Uh, we had a great team on the game. It has amazing light shows. It's bringing the concert home or wherever you have the game. And I'm just very proud of that game. It's all, it was To date, it's been our best-selling game. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people love. And again, a lot of assets um, make a better game, you know, mm-hmm the team a better shot to use uh, more of the assets and implement them into gameplay with Elton John. I am, I I love that you chose Elton John because it seems to be breaking the barrier that we have artificially raised on saying, we're not going to do certain artists. I mean, I've always said that there, there's a lot of artists that would sell a crazy amount of games. Um, You could do pink, you could do Taylor Swift, you could do, uh, you, you could do Beyonce. You could do all these artists that don't fit the 1980s rock band m- mode. And it's, it's interesting. So we, my wife had her friends over last, uh, last Friday night. Okay. Right. And so of the 10 games that I have downstairs in the basement, do you know which one they all went to? Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that's the first one. They come down, they're like, I want to play that. And so that that just shows that there is a market out there that is totally untapped from your stereotypical market. Now, I'm an Elton John fan too, but I'm also solidly in that demographic of knowing who all these 80s rock bands are that they're making, uh, they're making pins on. But I would love to play Elton John, and I would love to play in an area where I can hear the music and the sounds. Yeah. I mean, with Wizard of Oz, I've said it many times, you know, I chose that because I wanted to appeal to young people and to women, especially. And uh, I had operators in New York that said to me, um, guys aren't going to play that game if I put that in my bar. And I said, okay, well, let's put it in your bar. And I'm going to tell you every girl in the bar is going to be playing it and every guy is going to be right next to her. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and the big screen, it wasn't there in the beginning for the player. It was there to attract people to the game like a big bug light, you know, and to inform the, the lookers on about what's going on in the game. And so that they, when they play it, they get a little bit more information about what they're supposed to do. And I said in the beginning, you know, older players like me, you got to look at the ball all the time and you're looking down and you can't look up. But unfortunately... Young people could take their young people could take their phone and they can drive and text at the same time. So if they walk over to the game for the first time and you see first time players, they're taking in the whole game. Yeah. They're not just taking in the balls on the play field. They're looking at the screen, they're looking at the UI, they're looking at the monitor on the play field if there is one. They're listening for audio cues. And there's some really great younger players. Um, and I say, you know, we're building a game. It's not your grandfather's pinball machine. And it's just it's just a different kind of game for today. That's what, that's what I felt needed to be built in 2011 if we we're going to revive pinball. And I would tell you that the licenses that we choose, they expand the player base. You know, if you were doing the same type of license, male testosterone kind of superhero game one after another, one after another. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're not expanding the player base. 
Mm-hmm. We've gotten we've gotten scores of leads from Elton John's website for people that are Elton John fans that didn't know anything about pinball that bought pinball machines so far. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna get that's gonna get bigger and bigger. It happened with Godfather. So many people bought Godfather that were never pinball people. You know, in fact, in this month's issue of Replay magazine that I happen to have over here, this is the November issue of Replay, the industry trade magazine, you know, we advertise on the magazine. Uh, shameless plug, we got the back cover. Um, in this month's operator poll, which is based on operators across the United States, earnings, the number one pinball machine on location is the Godfather. Wow. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. You know, okay. so that's what we build. We build a game that's great for a home customer. We build a game that's going to work reliably on location and make money for operators. I, I will say I am solidly in that white middle-aged testosterone crowd. And when I got into pinball, you only had Wizard of Oz. And I pulled up Pinball Map to find out where Wizard of Oz was because I wanted to go play it. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people in the beginning, they were curious about what it was. They heard about it and they didn't know. They knew mm-hmm. immediately that they wouldn't like it. But what happened is when they played it, they loved it. So they were pleasantly surprised and they became converts and they bought the game. I, I will say I also, um, our friend Steve Govea made a witch mod and I don't know if you've seen it, but I bought the that. one with the wishing well? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's not the well. It's it's the smoke. And so oh, yeah. it comes up and it has all the lights on it. And man, that is a showstopper. Uh, so it, it's fun to mod- modify the game too, which like like any pinball machine, right? If you, if you want to buy something expensive and throw it in there, it'll even increase the wow factor even more. You know, it's funny. You talk about mods and things like that. Wizard of Oz was the first game to have a topper on it in 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think about the topper market today and what that's become, right? Yep. And, you know, Wizard of Oz, as much stuff as it had on it, it encouraged a lot of mod people to make all kinds of mods for it, right? So... I think when you start something like we did, um, you're a catalyst to stir up the marketplace when the marketplace was like circling the drain and about to go down the drain. And I think a lot of people came into the market to buy games. There was a lot of excitement. There was um, a horse race between two companies. Now there's you know maybe 22 companies or more. So speaking of toppers, on this Elton John, you've got two big displays. Are these the same displays you guys had in Toy Story? I think they're similar. Um, we only had a few left over from Toy Story. We had to order them. But I think I think when Steve wanted it, he looked at the biggest one we could put on there. And I think that was the biggest one we could put on there. And so he didn't. he wasn't just happy with one. He wanted the full concert experience, and he wanted two. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Well, lo- Steve's a man of extremes. Let's say that it looks really cool with the uh, with the laser going up and shining on the on the ceiling too. Yeah, and you know we had uh, custom laser images uh, uh, with Elton John's logo and stars and the uh, Elton John logo from the bumper cap, the old style. Well, maybe I got one up here. The old style bumper cap. You know this. Oh, yeah. Logo. Yeah. Oh, and the Jersey Jack logo, and it's, it's quite a light show on the top. It's beautiful. So are are they actual lasers? I thought, may I misunderstood, but someone was saying there aren't actually lasers in the topper. It's just the way that they project. No, it's it's a laser light show, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, they, go through, they go through, I think, a glass prism that rotates um, with the different logos and different... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and different effects. Okay. So ha- has has Jersey Jack changed? Has the atmosphere changed now that Pat Lawler is retired and Steve has now stepped in as kind of the senior figure of designers? You know, I think I'm not there every day. I think anytime somebody is added or moves or changes around, things change. You know, I used to say years ago, I had a fish tank and all the fish were happy and I would go to the to the pet shop and buy a, a new fish and put it in the tank and everybody would be fighting for territory and nipping fins and killing each other, you know? So I think every company has a delicate ecosystem in a way. 
And when people come and go, they leave a big hole. Pat was certainly a great uh, mentor, and he was a great source of knowledge and a great um, passionate person that loves pinball. So I think having Pat and bringing, me bringing him back to pinball back in 2016 was a great thing. Uh, sorry, 2013 mm -hmm. was a great thing. Um, you know, he was able to do three games for us, which I think all three games were great. Mm -hmm. um, you can't mistake a Pat Lola game when you walk up to it and play it. Uh, but, you know, everybody, like I said before about buying something, you know, life's too short. You know, do you want to work? Do you fall over inside a pinball cabinet or you want to spend some time with your family and travel the world and have a good time with your life, you know? So, uh, you know, we all can't do everything forever. You know, everything, everything changes. So with the games, this is a, it seems like you're accelerating your release schedule. And, and I, you have said on record that you want games, you know, one to two a year, which is roughly, I'm, I'm saying about 18 months or so we're going right. to be getting. So how many games do you have in development right now? Uh, we have three games in development right now. Okay. We have three designers and three games in development. So um, Steve got off one horse and got on another horse already. And no rest for the weary, right? He's not that weary, you know. Steve's got, a, <laughs> Steve's got a lot of energy. I know you spend time with him. He's got a lot of energy. Yeah. I think he doesn't surprise a lot of people. He just, uh, you know, people people just see him as perpetual motion like his games. So I've noticed over the last couple of licenses, we, we, I mean, Godfather and Elton John, these are more 60s and 70s titles. Um, are you going to be coming... I mean, obviously, it hasn't been all those kind of titles. I mean, you've you've had Wizard of Oz, you know, to newer stuff. Like Nineteen thirty nine title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, is are you focusing on a shirt, certain genre, or is it just kind of wherever the wind takes you kind of thing? Well, it's really not. However, the wind takes us. We have certain things that we want to uh, achieve. Uh, licenses that we look for need to appeal to a wide uh, range of people, ages, also. Um, demographically you know what plays well in australia might not play well in in germany you know so we have to be uh conscious of different markets around the world for different products something that might be well known in the u.s might not be well known in europe or some other part of the world so we'd be eliminating a lot of sales in different parts of the world with different licenses or different themes so that's always something top of mind so I guess the one question everyone wants to know too, Joe Kamenkow, which is a, a big licensor for Stern and, and for other products outside of pinball, um, had announced that you guys had landed Harry Potter. I don't know. Is there something you want to say to that? Or or I know you don't want to give away if you have a title or not, but it, it's kind of abrupt and we usually don't go after rumors. But with this being such a predominant figure of someone that is in pinball and licensing, didn't know if you wanted to clear the air on it. Well, I guess you have to ask Joe Kamenkow. I don't, I don't know him. I never had a conversation with him in my life. Um, why he said that, I, I guess you have to ask him. If I didn't have the license, I wouldn't tell you I don't have it. And if I did have it, I wouldn't tell you I did have it. So to, to, to be determined. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's no secret. A lot of people want the license. Sure. And have you know, tried to get the license and, you know, the rumor about what J.K. Rowling believes pinball is and all that stuff. I only know what you guys know about what's been out there in the public and what people have said. So uh, I don't really have anything to add to it. I thought when I heard it, I thought it was unusual. Again, I don't know the person. Um, I know who he is. But, um, you know, sometimes people uh, have a reason for doing something and sometimes people don't have a reason for doing something. I I don't know. I don't read much into it, you know. Cannot confirm nor deny. Neither confirm nor <laughs> deny, yeah. Okay, uh, so... What you guys in the press say you can't confirm it or deny it. Yeah. Well, that's... Yep. Uh, hey, you know what? We just we just talk about what people want to talk about. So, news. Okay, so what's your favorite song of the 16 tracks? And... 
does do songs correspond to different modes such as uh, hitting different shots I, 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 okay i'm actually gonna go first i love that you put crocodile rock in here because that is my favorite elton john song i think in this game you know i love all the elton john songs which i know is not the answer but my favorite when I played the game, you know, you can you can select whatever song you want. There's different light shows uh, with every different song, which is just just amazing to see uh, what they've done. Bill Grupp and and the whole team, uh, um, they just <laughs> just amazing what they've done with the game. Um, you know, I think my favorite song has to be Pinball Wizard. I know it's not an original Elton John song. I know it's the Who. But I, I guess just when I play the game and I'm playing Pinball Wizard, it just it just takes me back to the day in 1976 that I opened up that Captain Fantastic game. It just um, it just does something for me. You know, I, I mean, I, I love to hear uh, every song. A lot of times I'll play I'll play my game on four players and I'll just shoot the ball and it'll pick, you know, whatever song at random kind of thing. And I'll just play through it and, and I just... I just love that the game surprised me all the time. You know, I walk up to it, I'm smiling, uh, makes you happy. The orbit shots, the um, just, you know, it's not difficult to follow the rules. I have to spell out and I have to collect uh, wardrobe items. I have to try to lock three balls in the piano. I see Elton at the piano and he's, his arms are moving up and down to the music and he's turning his head to look at me and back and forth. I'm like, Holy crap, you know, Steve, Steve thought of that thing and uh, he made it real. You know, he made it real. Uh, some people told him, just make it a stationary thing. Don't knock yourself out. It don't have to work. But Steve being Steve, he just doesn't take no. He just keeps plowing right through everything until he gets what he wants. It's a really cool effect. Uh, you know you look at that and it's practical too i mean it's a three ball lock you know it's mm -hmm. not just for the heck of it um i like i like bashing the drop targets i always love games with drop targets mm -hmm. and you know um in the absence of a of a dedicated bash toy i'll take three drop targets and if i hit them the wrong way i'm going to drain right down the middle so i got to be careful about how i'm going to hit those drop targets to collect my albums I, I'm the same way with drop targets. If I have the option of buying a version of the game with stand-up targets or drop targets, I will pay more for the drop targets. Yeah, I think it goes back to me playing Jack in the Box and those games that had, you know, like 10, 10 drop targets along the top that you had to complete three times to, you know, roll over A, B, C, D kind of thing. You know, rules were a lot. I didn't even know when I started repairing games that there were rules to games. I just figured... What the hell do I know? You're just shooting. You know, people ask me, what do I do? I said, shoot at the blinking lights. You know, that's what you do. I mean, there were, there were no speech calls in electromechanical pinball, you know, unless unless you had somebody standing next to you telling you what to do. That was the only speech call you had. So we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show, but how is it having everyone over in Chicago? Is it, um, you're, you're still in Jersey, so... Is there any plans to move to Chicago, or are you just happy where you're at? Well, just like we're doing now, pretty much every day I'm on Zoom calls and FaceTime calls with people at the factory, and I go there at least once a month, so I don't feel really uh, any separation anxiety. I feel like I know what's going on there. Um, so I don't have a plan to move to Chicago, even though it's a beautiful place to be. Uh, you know, JP still lives in Holland. He's not moving to Chicago. We have other people that work for the company remotely around the world. Um, having a team and everybody in one building is a benefit because, um, you know, COVID separated a lot of people, but now that everybody's back together, you have an idea, you have a question, you have a problem, you just walk over to somebody and say, hey, I got a minute, I need to talk to you. And, you know, you get your problem solved, you get your idea across, you can brainstorm about a lot of things. It's, it's really good to have everybody pretty much in one place. So you have, uh, there have been a lot of people who are interested in some older games. For example, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. A lot of people keep asking about that because the 
the buzz for the game happened after the sales had already trickled off. And so you had moved on, you had moved on to different games because that's, that's just the market. Is it conceivable to, to consider rerunning some of these old games? You've, you have run some old games like, like Hobbit, you did the black arrow edition. You did, uh, you've done wizard of Oz. You did the yellow brick road. Any other titles that are on the table to consider running? I guess that's why the rearview mirror is small and the windshield is big because we're going forward. And I think um, we really don't have time to go backwards and rerun things that we did in the past. Although, um, you know, you might make sales of those games. I, I, I don't doubt that you would, but we have so many things that we're working on and so much technology that we're adding to games now. Uh, I, I said, I think I said at Expo that Wizard of Oz had 139 RGB LEDs and it won all kinds of awards. And we're pushing 1,600 RGB LEDs in the CE, <laughs> the CE Elton John. And just everybody's head in the room when I said that, I could see a massive explosion mm -hmm. of everybody's head like, really? Wow. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, I'm not looking at vault games. I'm not looking at rerunning things. I'm not looking at – I'm really not looking at that stuff. It's not It's not on any short or long list. It's like – it's nice to have people say that they want you to do something over again. It's flattering and it's humbling in a way, but um, it's not in the plan of the company to do that. How has, uh, how have the, I guess, how is the company responding to sales of Elton John? Has the buzz been matched what you're searching for? I think so. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a market that's different than it was a year or two or three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're pretty close to being sold out of the collector edition games and we have good numbers on the platinum edition games uh, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage because this time I really wanted to get to expo and show the game mm -hmm. so I took a page out of my old playbook where we used to go to a show and not have games in a box where the last few releases we had a few hundred games in boxes we showed the game typically not at a show and then immediately we shipped hundreds of games and they were on location popping up in people's basements and everything like that. Um, this time around, there's going to be a little lag of a few weeks, but um, there's still a lot of excitement. We're selling games every day. I have a lot of our distributors around the world setting up uh, different open houses and parties. You know, I'll be in Connecticut at Automated Services on December 2nd. I'm sure I'll have an Elton John game there. I don't know if I'll be in my costume or not, but uh, stay tuned. You know, and a lot of other distributors around the country are excited to get games. And I do think what's going to happen is what happened in front of me at Expo. I had people that were non-buyers of Elton John, not interested until the, they played the game. And when they played the game, the pinball player in them came out and said, holy crap, this is a really great game. And it has really great music that I love and that I grew up with. And I have to buy this game. I agree. I'm excited too that uh, you guys have fresh blood that that's never done a game before, and and I'm I'm excited to see your newest designer. He's going to be coming up if my math runs right. Unless you got Eric up next, but uh, your newest designer should be coming out shortly. Um, how has it been working with him? He's really humble. Um, he's really learning a lot from Eric and from Steve, especially. Um, I think he's just like a sponge. I love Mark. He's just a great guy. He's got a great personality. He's got a great attitude. Uh, he's overcome a lot of obstacles and things. Um, you know, when I told you that when Steve came in the company, a lot of the assets of the company were directed on finishing Toy Story. And Mark, Mark had to do, you know, a lot of work by himself. And thankfully, uh, He's able to do a lot of that in the beginning of his game to get it going and get it down the road a little bit before the cavalry came and joined them as a, as the team. And um, I think his game's going to be great too. I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. Well, I'm excited to see it, especially where Mark came from the the homebrew. Right, you know, he was a homebrew uh, hatching. Yeah, yeah, and his Metroid game is very impressive, and so I can't wait to see what he's cooked up. With with the with the environment that's there at Jersey Jack and being able to lean on those that have been in the industry for years, 
and, and push out a, a product. This is Mark Seiden we're talking about. Sorry, I forgot to announce his full name, but yeah, I, I you know, there's really a welcoming, nurturing, positive energy in the building. Um, everybody's working as a team. Um, I, I think that's really important. Uh, there's not people working against each other. Uh, there's friendly competition, of course. Uh, there's people that have egos because that's not a bad thing completely. It's good to be proud of what you do and what you accomplish and what you want to accomplish. But it's also good to help each other and and um, give each other advice. You know, if you see somebody who's going to go over the cliff, you should probably say something to them before they go over the cliff, not laugh as they're going over the cliff, bouncing around on the rocks, you know. So uh, it, it's good that the environment is that way. I'm very I'm very pleased with that. So you are over 10 years um, since deciding to jump into building your own company. So when you're looking back in the rearview mirror, what are the, what are the things that you're most proud of and also the things that you were unexpected challenges or maybe happy accidents? Well, I think I'm most proud of the people in the company. Um, the people that helped me start the company, but I'm, I'm most grateful to the people that believed in me and the people in the company when they first gave us money and they put down money on a game that they never saw from a company that had no factory and had no track record at all. And it was just, I guess there was a lot of hope and a lot of, uh, wishes that, I would come through and the team would come through and they'd make a great game. And I knew one thing in the very beginning, you know, think about it. I didn't have this uh, deposit system where you don't get your money back. If you wanted your money back, you got your money back. And there was nobody that didn't get their money back that wanted it back. And I knew one thing. I knew if we made a game that wasn't good, when we make the first hundred, the other 900 people at the end of the list would want their money back. So I knew it was important to make a really great product and make something that people wanted and that they would stay in for and they had a lot of patience. So I think I think, you know, the beginning, I'm most proud of the beginning, because without the beginning, there's no continuation of the company. And I think one of the biggest surprises to me when I started the company, my mind was just I wanted to make great games. I didn't really think of the personal side of it. I didn't think of social media where, you know, I'm going to get accused of all kinds of things or people are going to put words in my mouth and people are going to say, I said this or I said that or I did this or I did that. So much of that was just um, not, not correct and personal attacks. And uh, we had a lot of people in the beginning that were wishing us well. And we had a lot of people in the beginning wishing that we'd fallen a wishing well. So um, I'm, I'm happy that we, uh, that we made it through the difficult times, the little acorn. It popped out of the ground. It grew into a little sapling. And now it's a pretty nice tree that's going, growing pretty well. So uh, I'm very proud of it. I'm, I'm also, you know, people say to me things like you guys said in the beginning, you know, that we revived pinball, or things like that. You know, I didn't really think of that whole thing. I wasn't trying to be some kind of hero or, you know, somebody that was um, setting out to rebuild the whole industry. Uh, But it's been nice. It's been humbling when people say that to me at shows and things like that. I just take it in stride and I'm very humbled by it and appreciative of it. You know, we're all we're all trying to do our part to make pinball grow. And that's all I felt that I've been doing. Well, we had Larry DeMar on uh, two episodes ago, and he even said, you know, the best thing that's happened to pinball in the last 10 years is Jersey well, Jack showing off Wizard of Oz. Larry's Larry's very kind, and he has said that to me in person, which is very, again, very humbling. You know, Larry's a real legend in the industry, not just the pinball industry, but the amusement game industry, you know, doing Robotron and all the games he did. And he's a real he's a really kind person. I appreciate hearing that. All right. Now yeah. your, your company has, has morphed. It used to be more of a, you know, you started with kind of a one man pyramid, but you've also brought more people in who are part of the company. And, and how has that affect the affected the, the dynamics and the ability to, for Jersey Jack to, to move forward? 
because the more people you have, I, I would say the more production power you have and maybe the more input you have. Well, you know, we're always hiring. There's never a time when we're not hiring. We're always looking for really great people, people that are motivated, people that are talented, people that want to make great pinball machines. So um, you can't do these kind of things by yourself. It's always a team. Um, I don't take credit for anything by myself. It doesn't happen without a lot of people involved. I give credit to God as well. Um, and and um, it's just, you know, every day putting one foot in front of the other. There's always a problem that pops up. There's always something you have to anticipate. Uh, the unknown unknown is the worst kind of information that there possibly could be. And there's plenty of that in pinball. So having more people you know, I might know a lot because I'm in the industry a long time and I have a lot of experience, but I could tell you me coupled with Steve Ritchie, coupled with three or four or five other people are definitely a lot more brain trust than any one of us individually. So that's why cooperation and communication together are really important. That's all my questions, Scott. Do you have any more? No, I, th I think it's great. Uh, Jack, we'd like to thank you so much for uh, coming on. Uh, we, your games are great. We, we love having them, and I, I do love playing them. They are, uh, they're awesome. Um, they are awesome collector pieces in anybody's basement. So well, uh, we, I'm wearing your hat today, but we're going to send you uh, some of ours, uh, so we'll get you some swag. And uh, Jack, by the way, I don't think you guys are losers. You guys are winners. <laughs> Maybe it should be the Winner Kid podcast. Yeah. You know. Well, we'll uh, consider changing that. Uh, okay. You're not a loser. Yeah. I'm not a loser. <laughs> so if uh, it's not a tumor, <laughs> it's not a tumor. Okay, two things. One, if they want to send you a message, how they get a hold of you, and two, if they are thinking of joining the Jersey Jack team, how do they apply? Jack at jerseyjackpinball.com. We'll get you signed up. We'll get you games. We'll get you swag. We'll get you whatever you want. Okay. I, I, I want rad decals. That's what I want. <laughs> rad decals. Rad decals for Wizard of Oz. I'll, I can't find out tomorrow. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. We're closed. In honor of all the veterans. Thank you, all the veterans, for your service to the country. We really love you and appreciate you. So we're closed in honor of Veterans Day tomorrow. But I'll find out on Monday if we have any. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Jack. We I get calls. I get phone calls all the time from people that need help with their games. They have questions. You know, if you get a Jersey Jack game, I'll just say this kind of funny thing: if you get a Jersey Jack game on every game box, there's a little warning there that says, you know, if the box is uh, damaged, that you should refuse it and call this phone number. And there's a toll-free number printed on the box. It rings on my cell phone. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Wow. I can't expect I can't expect anybody in the company to answer the phone at all hours of the day and night and get somebody on the other end that says, uh, oh, somebody put a forklift through my box. Okay, I, I don't know of any other president who puts their cell phone on the side of their boxes. <laughs> you have to do that. You know, really our customers become our friends after so long. And really it's um it's not work. It's just something I do that I love to do, you know? So people are buying our product. The least we could do is help them out, support them and be there for them, you know, it's, and, and take care of them when they need us. You know, if they, they remember what you do for them when they need you, when they don't need you, you could do anything and nobody remembers anything. But in the bad times, when people have problems, you take care of them. They really appreciate it. And you got the loyalty and friendship forever. Well, we wish we wish you all the best, and certainly you are a great asset into the uh, pantheon of pinball makers right now. Thank you, guys, and I appreciate you guys spreading the word of pinball too. Now I Definitely. have to go listen to another 120 episodes that you guys did. That sounds good. The backlog—it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Before we stop recording, two things. First off, we're going to so Jack said in this interview what their best-selling game is to date. We're doing a giveaway. Ken Cromwell's been nice enough; he's getting us some Jersey Jack swag. Oh, yeah, we're going to give away a poster, an Elton John poster. We're doing an Elton John poster. So if you know that answer, you can either email it to us at loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com or type it in the comments of this episode. If you are right, we're going to put you in a drawing and we'll do it next episode and we'll do it live or, well, recorded live, whatever it may be. We'll record it live. <laughs> and then the last thing is if you want to get a hold of us we are loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com 
or if you want to get us to us on the socials, we're at Loser Kid Pinball. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, all the socials. So hit us up on all those. I guess it's X now. I apologize. Formerly known as this is Prince, right? Like X, formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Anywho, everyone. But thanks again. Twitter. Yep. Thanks again for coming on, Jack. We appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you, Jack. Both. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. And I hope I see okay. you guys the next show. Sounds, Sounds good. Fun. Go by Elton John. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.